Well, I'm looking forward to sharing this word with you this morning. Um, it's a, a word that's been on my heart for a while and it's uh, sort of outworking in me and I'm looking forward to sharing this. Um, in March this year, Pastor Rob shared at our uh, Cheltenham campus a message called Caring for Creation. And it was the first, of, uh, first message of its kind. Pastor Rob had never really um, shared, he, he expressed in this message that he'd never really shared anything about our responsibility to care for creation. And he shared in that message quite an expansive view of the gospel. In Mark 16, we're told that we are to go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And that is not just to human beings but for all creation. And the fact is that God cares very deeply for this planet because it is his handiwork. I love the song that we sang first up this morning where it talks about all creation singing. And it's God's desire that his kingdom will come here on earth as it is in heaven and that affects all creation. So caring for creation is not just something that, you know, you're aligned to politically or belonging to some environmental group. It's actually a mandate that God gave us at the very beginning. In Genesis 2.15, it states, The Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And that word care means to serve, to steward and to labour for. And although we were given this blessing and privilege to enjoy this beautiful garden, we were also given the responsibility to care for it. And that was given to us at the very beginning. So um, I imagine many of you would not have heard that message because I don't believe Pastor Rob's preached it here just yet. But I encourage you to have a listen to it on our YouTube channel. You can um, go to our messages and you will see it there. Because this morning what I want to do is actually springboard from that message. For us to live out the gospel, which is to share the good news to all creation, it's important that we all reflect on our practices and how we live and how that's making an impact and whether we need to make some changes. Now, if you've heard me preach before, one of the things I love to do is look at cultural practices because society and culture tends to go in one direction and it's so easy to just go with the tide of where culture is heading, it's actually hard to go against it. And as Jimmy just shared around the offering time, we're called to not to conform to the patterns of this world, but to the renewing of our mind. And why, why is that important? Well, it's important because we're to look a little bit different to the rest of the world. We're to look a little bit peculiar. So peculiar, in fact, that people would actually want to ask us, why are you so different? What makes you different? And that could start a conversation about our faith and what our faith is all about and what we care about. The problem I see is if we look like the rest of the world, why would anyone be curious? So I want to talk this morning about a cultural pattern that I see and I'm going to let you know right now, I'm challenged by this um, and I don't have it all together and I'm on a journey like most of us. But what would completely bless me this morning is if you, once you hear this message, that you won't just leave it here. That as you go in and have a beautiful lunch and you fellowship with one another, that you'll actually discuss it, ask questions of each other. 
and, and start to digest it and start to think because otherwise this word will just remain here. It's important that we not only just feed ourselves but we actually chew on the word. Do I hear an amen to that? So what I want to talk about this morning is the culture of convenience. And so the title of my message is called Convenient Faith. And I want to start with just a simple dictionary definition. Oxford Dictionary states that convenience is the state of being able to proceed with something without difficulty. A thing that contributes to an easy and effortless way of life. Okay, hands up. Who doesn't want life to be easy? Let's be honest. Who doesn't want life to be easy? So the rest of you want life to be hard. So there's only three of you that want life to be easy. Wow, we're being honest with ourselves. Do we love life being hard? <laughs> no. We often look for ways for life to be easy. I mean, come on, life is hard, right? There are challenges and, you know, we do look for ways for life to be a little bit easier because life is tough. Even if you have Christ. Actually, if you have Christ, it's even tougher sometimes. Okay, so we do look for ways for things to be easy. And I actually thank God for these incredible creative uh, imaginations that come up with all sorts of things to make life easy or easier. Now, I just opened up my kitchen drawer and I just plucked out three things in my kitchen drawer that I had which actually came into the imagination of someone that thought, if I create this, this would make life easier. Okay, so the first thing I pulled out was this little contraption, and I haven't actually used it yet. It was given to me by a friend. Um, it's a mango cutter. Okay, looks a bit peculiar. So I think the idea is you place the mango in the middle, and what it does is it slices the cheeks of the mango nicely sliced. Someone actually thought life would be easier if we had a mango cutter as opposed to using a knife, okay? So that's one thing. Um, this does make life easier. This is my little friend. It's a little chopper. Now, anyone who's a female loves this. Why? Because if you're cutting up onions, it's a mess. You've got mascara running down your face. You've got snot over your onions. You don't have to have that. You can just use this little thing and it chops up your onions. I like the person who invented that. Now, this was actually came into the mind of my uncle. He created this. This is a home creation. Um, what is that? Well, that is, well, if you're Italian, you have to know how to make a good eggplant parmigiana. And the, the way to make a good eggplant parmigiana is to at least have your slices of your eggplant the same thickness. So this helps you to cut your eggplant even slices. Uh, you can't buy one unless my uncle sometimes, you know, makes more of them and patents it or something. <laughs> so we look at all various ways to make life easier. This little gadget in my hand, very, very useful. Why? I don't have to strain my voice. I can just use this lovely little gadget. In Jesus' day, he didn't have gadgets like this. What would he do? He would use a natural landscape to help project his voice. He would row a boat out in the Sea of Galilee and the waves would help the, his voice to be projected out. I'm kind of thankful on this cold morning I don't have to row a boat in Port Phillip Bay so you can hear me. 
I'm very thankful because also, during the week, if you miss this message, it's recorded because of this gadget and you can listen to it during the week. We have live stream at our Cheltenham campus. That's an amazing convenience because if you're sick or on holidays, you can tune in and watch a church service and be still connected to the body of Christ. Um, one of our members at Cheltenham campus, this is Russ. Now, Russ was in was on holidays just a couple of weeks ago in Vietnam and he didn't want to miss out on our baptism service. So he watched <laughs> from the comfort of the pool um, our baptism service on live stream and his wife took a photo and he sent it to me. I thought it was quite amusing. He was immersed, so to speak. So we, we live with a myriad of different conveniences that at one point in time didn't exist. Convenience has actually been a really vital part of human advancement. I want to give you a snapshot of some of the 19th century modern household conveniences that we probably wouldn't even bat an eyelid now because they're just so much a part of our life. But in the 1800s, this was considered a new modern convenience, such as closets in bedrooms and hallways. I thought, goodness me, what do they do beforehand was clothes all over the bedroom floor like a teenager's room maybe I'm not sure um, ice box now an ice box I think is the probably the precursor to a refrigerator so it was literally a box with ice and it would keep your your food um, chilled and last longer hot and cold running water now where were we before hot and cold running water we were likely walking to the village we were likely drawing up water and we're bringing it back to our homes and boiling it and putting it into a bathtub or cooking with it. That's where we were before hot and cold running water came along. Flushing toilets. Is anyone thankful for flushing toilets? So am I. So am I, Nola. It reminds me of a story. That 10 years ago, I um, did a missions trip to northern parts of Mozambique and I was invited to um, preach at a, a remote church um, in a village. And I got up at about 6 a.m. in the morning and we travelled for about 30 kilometres, but it took us two hours to get there. So that gives you a bit of an indication of what the roads were like. And when I got there, I'll never forget it. And I have got some photos which are going to come up on the screen. I'll never forget, as soon as I got out of this Jeep, the angelic voices of people singing and waiting for the person who was going to bring the word of God, people worshipping. And I shared um, a message that morning and after that, um, I, you know, this church service sort of officially finished. I was invited by the pastor to come and have a meal at his home. And so we got back into the Jeep and by this stage it has been about a good five, six hours since I had left home. So suffice to say, I needed a bathroom. And so I asked somebody, please, is there a, a nearby bathroom around? And I was kind of pointed in the direction. Now, I just want you to picture this. this is, it's just mud huts and trees. I was pointed in a direction over there and over there was sort of a sheet that had been um, tied between two trees. And they pointed me in the direction of that and I thought, okay, so whatever's behind that must be the toilet. Peered back the sheet and all I saw was a hole in the ground. So I'm thinking, okay, this is camping 101, I can do this. And I went to the hole and, you know that expression, curiosity kills the cat? <laughs> so everything in my head said, don't look down the hole. 
I know it's a bit too much to hear this first thing in the morning. But, of course, I looked down the hole. And so a whole village's business was down the hole. And all I can say, because we're about to have lunch in 10 minutes or so, is that the earth was moving. I appreciate flushing toilets. But the, the fact is, many parts of the world today don't enjoy flushing toilets because they don't have the privilege or the means or the money to, af to afford that. But us in, the, in many Western countries do. So some of the convenience we think is a part of our everyday normal life, things like washing machines, microwave ovens, refrigerators, televisions, air conditioning, vacuum cleaners, smartphones, computers, all the things that we enjoy today and we think is very normal. Many parts of the world still don't get to enjoy those things. And I want to say that convenience actually has been vital to us advancing, even the gospel advancing. Because in Bible days, it would have taken probably a month's journey, if not longer probably, to go from, say, Israel to Greece or Italy to share the good news. Today, it would probably take half a day, a day plane travel. We don't even need to do that in many ways. We can just Zoom or Skype and see somebody on our computer from the other side of the world and feel like we're connected to them. And this is all convenience and it's all wonderful. So I want to start this morning by saying that convenience is a blessing. Now, a blessing is a material or spiritual benefit given by God to be enjoyed. And God has given us many gifts to enjoy that we have not merited, but he has freely given to us. And the first picture that we have of this is the creation story. In Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth and he creates light from darkness, land and seas. He creates vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees, stars. He creates sea creatures and wildlife, including animals, birds and insects. In Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he made and it was very good. None of this did we, as humans, create. All of this God created and gave to us to freely and easily enjoy. Adam and Eve get conveniently placed in this beautiful garden, a garden they didn't plant, and they had a plethora of fruit trees to choose from to eat and enjoy, and they were given work to give them a sense of purpose. And before sin actually entered that garden, the experience was ease, and the experience was harmony, because they were in relationship with God, they were in relationship with each other as humans and they were in relationship with the natural environment and the animals and vegetation. Everything was at ease and flowing. And God took pleasure in seeing this picture. He took pleasure in seeing his creation in joy. Another picture that we see is Christ himself and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We as human beings can now enjoy a relationship with God knowing that we are approved that we are righteous, that we don't have to get God's approval by our works, that we don't have to atone bulls and goats to get his approval, but that we have this ease of access of a relationship with him because of what Christ did on the cross. Every barrier has been removed to qualify us to be God's, in God's presence and we can enjoy that presence. 
if we simply accept what, what Christ has done and his sacrifice. And this is why in Romans 10, 11 to 13, it states, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're given many gifts to conveniently enjoy with ease. So I don't see a problem with convenience itself because God takes pleasure in giving to us so that we can have rich and beautiful lives. The problem is when we only expect convenience, when we expect faith to be convenient and for everything to proceed without difficulty. The problem is when we have a love for convenience more than what God is calling us to. Which leads me to my second point this morning, which is convenience as an idol. We face an idol whenever we worship something more than what God is calling us to or loving him. When we choose convenience and ease as being more important than what God has mandated us to do. Like if we regularly become impatient, rude, frustrated because we don't have what we want to hand when we want it, I can see that we will probably have a problem with developing patience, self-control and long-suffering. We have a problem there. Or when we hear the fact that if, if everyone sorry, in the world lived like an Australian, that we would need 3.6 Earths to sustain that, I think we have a greed problem. The love for convenience may very well at the moment destroying this planet. And as Christians, we actually have a mandate to care about this. And so like anything that is good, the enemy always uses things to twist to his plan, to his will. And the voice of the enemy wants us to think that we don't have enough, that we need more to be fulfilled. You see, Jesus was faced with the same temptation of convenience in the wilderness. For 40 days, Jesus was led out into the wilderness and for those 40 days, he ate nothing. Now, I've never done a 40-day fast where I completely have eaten nothing, but I can only imagine how weakened he must have felt. I know when I fast, I get headachey, I get um, lethargic, I get irritable, I get all sorts of things when I don't eat so for 40 days, Jesus was physically weak because he was still fully human as well as being divine. And so he felt that weakness. And at his point of weakness, Satan came to tempt him. And his first temptation was to ease his phys physical hunger by turning stones to bread. In Luke 4, 3, it says, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, Tell this stone to become bread. How convenient it would have been right at that moment to turn those stones to bread and put some butter on it at the same time. It would have been very easy and it probably it was in Jesus' capacity to do so. But it would have been an illegitimate way to fulfil what he wanted. The second attempt Satan uh, comes to him with is to easily possess power. In Luke 4, verses 5 to 7, it says, The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant 
all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. How tempting and it would have been to easily possess that power that Jesus was coming to have. But again, that would have come at a cost. It would have been easy just to say, yes, Satan, I will worship you, but then where would we all be? But no, he knew that there was a road ahead for him that was far more difficult, but that was a legitimate way to achieving that power. And finally, the last temptation was to make it easily known who Jesus is. In Luke 4, verses 9 to 11, it says, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. In other words, make it easy on yourself, Jesus. Do something spectacular so that everyone knows that you are the Son of God and they will follow you. Don't do this humble, ordinary person thing. Just be, do something spectacular and people will then know that you are the Son of God. But Jesus wasn't here to do Satan's bidding. He was here to do the Father's will and he loved the Father so much to obey him in that and he loved us to, to obey and not to succumb to a convenient plan that Satan was presenting him. So when we, where does our love for convenience stop us from becoming who God wants us to be and to doing his will? When we take convenient options that are not what God wants for us, do we actually count the cost? Are we called to a convenient faith? Well, the gift of salvation, which is freely given to anyone to receive, is absolutely wonderful. But let's not think for one minute that it was easy or convenient to achieve. And becoming a disciple of Jesus, following him, will also not be convenient for us. Because we're called to partner with Christ to reconcile this world. In Colossians 1, verses 19 to 20... It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So God through Jesus is reconciling all things. What are all these things that he's reconciling? It's everything that sin touched and caused separation and division. And separation and division was created between humans and God, between man and woman, between families and communities, between races and ethnic groups, between the rich and the poor, and between human and non-human life forms, which is the environment and all creation. So in becoming a disciple of Christ, he's given us this responsibility of reconciling to himself all these things together and to restore. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 17 to 20, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he's committed to us 
the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. So this ministry of reconciliation, if you are a Christ follower here this morning, this is our job, is to reconcile all things. It's going to cost us and it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be convenient because it's not easy or convenient to forgive our enemies, for example, to forgive those who hurt us, persecute us, speak badly about us and to extend forgiveness and grace. It's not easy or convenient to set the oppressed free, which may mean looking at the things that we purchase and seeing whether they're connected to a supply chain that has human exploitation and slavery attached to them and actually be willing to pay more money for, uh, for a product that's not attached to it. It's important that it's not easy or convenient to visit the prisoner, to actually look at a person that is made in the image of God and not just the crime they've committed. It's actually not easy or convenient to be a voice to the, for the voiceless, to speak truth to power, to perhaps take the effort and the time to visit our local member and to tell them what we think is not right in this world and what we can do about it. It's not easy or convenient to look after orphans and to find a place of belonging for them or to support uh, services where they can be loved and, and, and treated with respect and have a, a life and a future. And it's not easy or convenient to look after the environment and animals. At this present time, I, uh, the UN has declared that there is one million animals and plant forms that are facing extinction. And I think about that and I think how God must grieve. The things that he created, that he came in his imagination and he spoke life into, right now are facing extinction. So it's going to require time and resources to do something about that. And when I look around, we seem to be in a, a time-saving device world and yet we still have no time. So what does this look like practically? Well, you'd be relieved to know I'm not asking you to throw out all your modern conveniences because that would only contribute to landfill and we have a huge landfill problem. <laughs> and I'm not asking you to join an Amish community, although I am asking maybe we need to look at our consuming habits. It's really up to all of us to reflect, to actually reflect if our, our love for convenience has actually become more important and to consider the cost more importantly. And then, you know, depending on what you find in your time of reflection with the Lord, to ask him for help and guidance to make some changes in your life. One of the things I'm very proud of about our church is that we don't only talk about the gospel, we act out the gospel. And I'm a big believer that, you know, it takes just small acts that we consistently do that makes change. But that change also becomes bigger when we unite together and we work together as a community. And I know from personal experience that whenever our church has gotten involved in different projects over the years, where, whether it's caring for orphans, feeding the hungry in our local community like Matt's Place, visiting prisoners... Uh, and being a voice for the marginalised, that it hasn't always been convenient. And it's actually required something of me. And I have been confronted in those moments. I've been confronted whether I actually care. Do I care enough to be inconvenienced? And sometimes I go to God and say, oh, I, I don't know if I care enough to actually do something about this. 
But as I've been honest with God, he's helped me to just take that step, just one little step. And as I've placed my toe in that water and gotten involved and heard stories and inquired, my heart has changed in the process. And I'm hoping that my heart's changing to be more like Jesus. Now, I've been on a personal journey when it has come to the environment. And I'll say that I've, you know, it's not that I ever have not cared about the environment. I've just never stopped to reflect how the way I live is making an impact. But I've watched uh, particularly my niece um, live quite differently, making different choices. The younger generation are very concerned about about our environment. And she was making some sustainable choices and they challenged me. And then I met some in individuals in our, our community, in our Christian community, who have a deep conviction that as Christians we are to care for this planet. So I started to inquire and I started to make some different choices in my own life. Now, I, as I say, I'm on a journey with all of this myself. But I can't ignore that the gospel is good news for all creation. And we can start somewhere. So, what have I done? I've become, first and foremost, very conscious about my consuming habits and need for convenience. Um, I haven't thrown everything away, but I've just really asked myself the question, do I really need this before I buy it? Do I need it? Is it really going to add more value to me? Or is the need really something that God needs to fulfil in me? I've reduced my landfill waste to one bag a fortnight and I'm hoping to get that to one bag a month. I've tried to drastically reduce the use of single-use plastic. I try to buy fruit and vegetables with no plastic covering to try and change the culture of plastic because plastic is drowning our oceans. I carry a reusable coffee cup and water bottle and I think I've got mine here. And I compost all my food waste. There's just some of the things that I've done in the last year or so, and you're going to hear a little bit more about that in a minute. There are actually a myriad of different things we can do to care for our planet. And at the beginning of this year, we launched um, a new ministry called Bayside Creation Care. And part of that was to actually develop a Facebook group called Bayside Creation Care. And a number of our Frankston community have joined that. And you're most welcome if today's message has impacted you um, to join that Facebook group. And that Facebook group is really about sharing ideas and thoughts. And lots of people have done all different types of things to reduce their impact and care for the environment. Some people have chosen to, to um, reduce their meat and dairy intake to care for the environment. Some people have changed all their lights to LED. It's really about empowering and educating ourselves as ways that we can care. What I want to share this morning is that really the way we live in Australia is a privilege. And we have to take our responsibility quite seriously. Because if everyone was to live the way we live, it's just not sustainable. Our love for convenience, I believe, is really costing this planet, our country and many other Western countries. And the true fact of the matter is that we are dependent on this planet. And we are its custodians. And that God has given all of us, not just a few people who may be passionate about this topic, but all of us, the responsibility to care for the environment. But it's going to take some inconvenient measures because it is going to take our time, our energy 
and our resources. And so this morning I just want to leave you with a quote because I think Dr. Seuss sums things up quite well sometimes. And he says, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Let's pray.